0: Hello and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas and this is our Wednesday show where we niche down to a single topic, think about a question and unpack the rest. Today we're asking, why is tech full of copycats and what's the next full circle moment we can expect? As always, I am joined by the inimitable editor-in-chief of TechCrunch Plus and my friend, Alex Wilhelm. <laughs> Alex, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. I just want to say like the headline for the story at the root of this show was so much better than the way we phrased it as a question. <laughs> I'm now thinking we should like go back in time, just take your headline, slap a question mark at the end of it and say, huh? Because that would rule. I mean,
0: I'm kind of down. And we'll, we'll give you background on what Alex was to because it, it actually started within slacks between both of us last week y combinator announced that it was launching launch yc which is kind of this platform where people can sort through accelerator startups by industry batch and vote up and down and if it sounds familiar it is because it sounded very much like product hunt and so your slack to me alex when you sent me the link was yc launches product hunt question mark
1: Right. Well, I mean that was my first thought. I looked at this and I was like, wait a minute. YC is already an accelerator, a global, you know, like remote accelerator. It's got a continuity fund. There's YC school. Startup school, like that. yeah startup school. They've book life or Bookface, their social network <laughs> yeah. for founders. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like I, they come in increasingly productified. And so I was surprised to see them come up with something new again and also something that isn't actually new to the market.
0: Right. And of course, like that naturally made me think about this idea of like everyone building each other at a certain point. So you said YC makes a Product Hunt. I was like, okay, but Product Hunt made an Andreessen and Horowitz. And then Andreessen and Horowitz made a Y Combinator. And so that's really the story that we're going to be talking about today, which is the fact that everyone is making each other um, in a weird full circle copycat and kind of like competitive way, it seems like yeah. these days.
1: This undergirds my firm belief that actually the center of the technology world is not Silicon Valley. It's not, you know, Shanghai. It's not New York City. It's actually the Xerox Corporation, <laughs> creator of all the coffee machines out there that are running full time. Oh
0: my God. God, I, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) I remember when I was like first learning about the world of tech and I got really excited about people trying to build, I think it was another Foursquare. And Uh. you and Holden saw my pitch. This is when we all were at Crunchbase News and you guys were kind of like, okay, this is not the first time it's happened. And that was the time where my bubble kind of broke of like everyone has tried to build the same companies so many times. This is a little different than that though.
1: It's a little different than that, but it shares a key point because when you brought up that point about Foursquare, you know, historically I recalled Gowalla, which was a competitor with Foursquare or back when South by Southwest was a culturally relevant event and apps would compete there for kind of ascendancy and therefore, you know, mind and market share. That was all well and good. But sometimes things are just too early. Like Foursquare was too early, mm-hmm. pretty much. I think it's why the business ended up kind of where it is today. And when we think about technology products that did break through, often they're not the first time. Like, do you remember the HP iPack? Oh my God. No. Not even a little. <laughs> Came out before the uh, the iPhone. Ooh. Part of the pocket PC line of Windows-based devices in the smartphone category that no one remembers because only people who bought them were like HP execs, (laughs) but Apple got the timing right when the technology was actually sufficiently ready to go. And so I'm curious if that plays into this because Andreessen Horowitz went early first, which meant that they went YC and then Product Hunt put together a fund. So they went Andreessen and then last YC launched, launch YC to the public. And so they went product hunt at the end,
0: I think. Oh yeah. I mostly agree with that timeline. I mean, that's correct. And the addition is like, they share investors. There's overlap in a lot of subtle ways. And so maybe it makes sense to kind of handhold everyone into how these companies are all starting to look like each other. Yes. So starting with, I guess, the news of YC launching launch YC. (laughs) Thank you for that, by the way, Y Combinator. Um, that, That naming choice. But the reason it looked so much like product hunt Like we we're saying in the beginning of this episode, is like it's one way that we're going to see a institution try and make the navigation of new products and new startups easier. And so similar to Product Hunt, Launch is pitching itself as a way where people can kind of detect the next big startup, whether they're an investor, a um, hopeful employee, or a founder themselves. And the biggest difference between Product Hunt and Launch at this point is that only startups that have gone through YC's accelerator can launch on launch. And so it's competitive, but only to a degree.
1: Right. So what they've done is they've created a new outlet for for portfolio companies to strut their stuff. Or actually, that's probably it, an old sexist phrase. They've created a place for Y Combinator-backed companies to show off. Yeah. And essentially allow people to participate in that Very art. And, and the thing is, Product Hunt has been very successful at this. I mean, like, it's been a surprise. I think dig.com used to be the place where people would want to get to the top of the front page to get all the traffic. But now, Product Hunt has the mindshare.
0: Oh my God, yeah. It is really synonymous with launching, even earlier than, you know, it comes on TechCrunch sometimes. People will send me their Product Hunt profiles and be like, we launched last week and here's what we've heard so far. And so Product Hunt has really become this institution for the earliest innovators, which is such a special thing to build. And I I get why an accelerator would want some of that attention as well.
1: Okay, but flip it around because it's obvious why YC wants more marketing for its portfolio companies. It helps them hire and raise money. But why does Product Hunt need a fund? Going back in time, kind of one, step. Why did the glorious little PH end up wandering around with a new checkbook?
0: Yeah. So uh, this is a little bit of like mechanics. And so I'm going to keep it hopefully a little broad so I don't mess up. (laughs) But a while ago, it was announced that Product Hunt is part of Prologue, which is a holding company that owns both Product Hunt and Hyper, which is a 60 million early stage venture firm. And so At that time, the takeaway was that Product Hunt is getting in cahoots with a VC fund and they're both being led by that same CEO, new-ish CEO, Josh Buckley. The reason I think it made a lot of sense was, you know, if you have that sort of deal flow and honestly like name brand and belief that people come to you, you probably have a great chance of winning cap table spots. It's a marketing agent and a lot of firms and startups need marketing help. And so in a lot of ways, it was kind of a boring addition because it was like, of course you guys have a fund. Who doesn't have a fund? Prologue was announced before the downturn, mind you. (laughs) So...
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't think it would be announced now. Yeah. In fact, it was a prologue to the downturn. There
0: we go. Da-da-da. (laughs) Da-da-da. But I mean... We
1: drank drank coffee today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because that's not where the overlap really stops. So prologue, like I said owns both Hyper and Product Hunt and it has an investor that kind of makes this all more complicated. One of its investors is Andreessen Horowitz and Andreessen Horowitz has actually made its own Y Combinator recently. Do you remember when Andreessen just launched their early stage accelerator?
1: Oh, wait, no, wait, before, uh, pause. So, okay. Prologue is now the owner of both Product Hunt yes. and Hyper. Yes. And Andreessen is an investor in Prologue, Prologue? Okay. So, sorry. Are they an investor in the holding company or do they provide capital to the venture fund itself?
0: I'm sure it's both, but all we know is that they are the co-lead in Prologue, the holding company alongside Sequoia.
1: Okay. Now let's go to Andreessen making the Y <laughs> Combinator because that's I think the, the last bit of this puzzle. And so Andreessen earlier in the timeline started to do more early stage investing.
0: Yeah, yeah. They announced recently the launch of Start, which is a program that's all about backing founders at the earliest stage. Andreessen had been doing this informally, but this was the most kind of official professional way that we saw it be shared to the public. I think they're investing up to 1 million which is almost double the check size of Y Combinator's recently expanded check size which is around 500k. So I mean that was, I think we talked about that on the podcast two months ago. And so it's kind of like we're here again. And the reason it took us so long to get through this is like this stuff is messy. There's a web of all these companies that are starting to kind of build things that look like each other. And now fast forward we have these three institutions, Andreessen, Y Combinator, and Product Hunt. You know a founder can go to any of these three or all three for their first check.
1: Okay. Can I tell you what I think we're seeing here? Please. Is the greener grass effect and also a desire to both control destinies and make more money. So Andreessen was probably annoyed that they were taking Y Combinator backed companies and paying 15X what YC just paid for them back when the check size was smaller and essentially contributing to a ton of upside for... The backers of YC. And of course, Andreessen did rather well with much of its money. So that's a good return here and there. So shout out. But like they wanted more. In the case of Product Hunt, I bet they got annoyed that they were doing so much work for VCs by yes. promoting cool projects without getting any of the upside. So they made a fund. And then in the case of YC and Product Hunt, I think essentially they felt outmarketed. And so they were like, well, this. We'll do our own marketing. A bit like how Andreessen launched Future. So essentially it's a combination of like, everyone thinks that the thing they're not doing is easier than it is. And so they (laughs) expand into it. And I think that's a combination of arrogance to a degree. And the problem that humans have is we get good at something and then we think that means we're good at everything. And that's usually not the case. And then, you know, on a positive side, I kind of think offering a more cohesive product, Natasha, may make sense to founders
0: who want more handholding perhaps. This is why I love podcasting with you because that summary is like, kind of what we should have led with. (laughs) It makes a ton of sense. Like all these companies have watched their loudest critiques over the years. In Y Combinator's case, their loudest critique has been your batches are getting so big. Not all your startups can raise because they're not that easy to either stand out or I mean, we joke at Disrupt, like it's no longer how do you get into YC? It's how do you stand out at YC? And so.
1: Oh, yeah. Good point. That is a change.
0: Yeah. I feel like they're all kind of trying to respond to some of those critiques and add in the fact that 2021 was the year where it felt like anyone could launch a fund if they had a opinion or a market or an audience and it's not surprising that we saw the bar raise which I guess is kind of like the next topic I wanted to talk about which is like what are the benefits of all these companies starting to look more like each other and offer the same products we'll get to negatives next don't worry
1: (laughs) oh okay well I mean I can Do you mind if I take first step? Please, please. Okay, so for Andreessen, the advantages are pretty clear. Wait, do you want advantages for the institutions in question, the startups that might be impacted, or both?
0: I would do both, but let's start with the institutions. Like, why is it good for these institutions to start to look at each other?
1: I'll do institutions, you do founders. Perfect. So in the case of Andreessen, I think institutionally the advantages are it will have an earlier bite at more apples, and presuming that it can bring their talent engine to bear on those companies, they will have a better chance chance of success and they will essentially be able to drive more operating returns. That's my thesis there. Regarding product hunt, essentially this is turning what was a niche social media product into a financial entity. And so for them, the upside goes from ad revenue to tens of billions of dollars. So that's nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Talk about maturing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They matured from zero to a lot really quick and we'll see how it plays out. And in the case of YC, uh, you know, Natasha, the last Y Combinator cycle, they didn't talk to us much, if I recall correctly. And so I think they're probably running the Andreessen playbook, trying to more control the narrative and be able to generate more of their own magic. And so I think that that is a component of both their growing financial clout and the fact that there are so many companies. It's not like in the old days and there was like 50 and you could kind of go talk to them, you know, and glad hand with the founders. Now there's 400 or whatever, or a thousand, I don't know. Yeah. And so I think they have to do something to respond to that issue they've created for themselves. That's my take. So founders, take it away.
0: I think for founders, a lot of it's similar, right? Like you can go to one institution and get the benefits that a lot of others have promised over the years. So now if you're a Andreessen Horowitz, company or, you know, you pay attention to the firm, you have connections, you can actually go to them for formal starter capital. And obviously having them on your cap table at this point in tech history makes probably such a difference in an environment where investors are being risk averse. And they do need that stamp of approval early on. So I think it's smart for Andreessen Horowitz to go early stage and not in a quiet scout like way, but in a loud here's a program here's up to a million dollars way. When we talk about YC making a product hunt, I'm sure its accelerator founders are excited to no longer be defined by the all elusive demo day. I think the tech press has contributed to that, us included. <laughs> and I think uh, YC for so long has kind of, it's aged out. People don't really raise on two days and the demo days really is for show. It's still something interesting. But we see time and time again that even though there's interest in covering that and people reading it, it's not the most natural way to launch your company anymore. Like you can kind of launch well, it on an uh, ongoing basis.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen tech stars move to more, I think, flexible onboarding and offboarding schedules for this. I mean, Natasha, we have spilled enough ink over the years about demo days and the positives and negatives thereof to be quasi-experts <sighs> at this point in time. I think if you don't go curated, you have to find some other method to move forward. And so YC is doing that. I don't know if YC launch is the, I mean, it's simple, but I mean, yeah. it's not particularly compelling. Product hunt. Cool. Got it. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's one of the better brand names I think out there in the tech world in the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, people don't really talk about that, but you're so right. Like, that that's a great name. Launch YC, it used to be internal to YC, they're saying, and they just made it public. And while I completely understand why it's just for accelerator companies, I think it is a lot of eggs in your own basket. And so I do wonder if at some point they'll find it important to expand to other companies. And when I asked Lindsay, their head of comms, over email about them making a not-so-subtle swipe at Product Hunt, she basically said like she encourages founders to launch everywhere they can. Including Product Hunt, and so of course that's like the political and probably correct answer. If you're a founder listening right now, is not just picking one platform the same way you wouldn't just send one email out.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, if YC told founders that they were not allowed to go on Product Hunt one, it would be self defeating and silly, which is why they're not doing it. And they're not, to be clear, that we're aware of. Because what does YC want? It wants lots of noise about its portfolio companies, so everyone can't avoid noticing the cool new thing they've backed.
0: Yeah, exactly. Solar
1: powered ice cream drones, whatever. And so yeah, that makes good sense to me. And I'm not the thing that I. I'm curious about, and we can't, answer this question, is that what's the impact of this? Like, we talk about it because we see interesting parallels to other activities by related entities that kind of bring them all together in this goulash of capital and publicity. Fair enough, fine. But what does it actually do for founders? How much traffic does it really bring in? Do they find that employee they needed? And so we're talking about this from yeah. a very meta level and it's the granular level that we can't see because we don't have the data.
0: It's such a good question to like say anyways, though, because it's so clear that like this is YC answering a question that they've gotten a lot, but it's not clear if it's going to help founders with the pain points that they are experiencing. And in a way, to me, this just seems like YC is being more competitive and more greedy in a good way investors, are they already going to be going to this website and looking for deal for this way? Or would they rather go to a platform that has companies beyond YC? I mean, that right. seems like an inherent, like, why just focus on this one cohort when you can do everything at the same time.
1: Well, from a YC perspective, I get why launch YC fits because they only care about their portfolio right. companies. But if you're an investor, why not go to the broader mix? And so if YC companies do still end up on pH... Well, then I wonder how much of an impact launch YC, which has been launched by YC, will have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So let's, sorry, there's just a lot of similar words in this one. Let's talk about negatives though. And- we just mentioned that YC will not mind if companies make noise elsewhere because they yeah. care about the overall health of portfolio, but that's not the same case as we see with investors. They do usually want to either lead the deals they want and then collect as many shares as they can. So I think that the biggest possible tension in this Venn diagram slash flow chart we've put together is Andreessen Horowitz and Hyper. Because if Andreessen is a backer of Prologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prologue, nailed it then they could eventually end up competing for deals or for allocation inside of deals, for follow-on deals. And there's the potential for a lot of overlap and hurt feelings there.
0: Yes, it is very easy to be externally inclusive, but internally exclusive. I don't think that people are as amicable here as we, you know, think. I I just, I, I feel like a lot of these, firms at some point are going to have to pick a side or founders at least will have to pick a side as well. At this point, yes, you can still have Sequoia and Andreessen Horowitz on your cap table. But I do think like as you scale as a founder, those decisions get harder and harder to make. And if I was a founder, like I would want to pick the institution that has all the things. It seems like the biggest negative is founder confusion that's being masked as founder friendliness in a way. Yeah.
1: And like, also like, this isn't just a question of like, you know, I'm raising my series D. Who should I raise from? This is only early stage money. Hyper only raised 60 million for its fund. That tells you a ton about where it will write checks, what size of checks, how frequently, and how much money they're going to have for follow-ons call it 50 50. So they got 30 million to put in upfront 30 million for, you know, reserves. I mean, that is for Andreessen Horowitz, like the lunch tab, I think on their current (laughs) AUM. And so, you know, if you're making a choice between them, how does hyper possibly beat out Andreessen in terms of like raising capital from an entity? And if that's the case, then is hyper just kind of like the crappy B team for Andreessen?
0: Yeah, I mean, that is totally, I'm sure, a worry on their end and on anyone's end that's trying to compete with an Andreessen and vice versa. I feel like Andreessen launching an accelerator was not just them playing offense for fun, but it was them responding to, like you said, losing deals to YC and playing those high markups. And so I think a lot of these moves have been made out of like an insecurity or a competition element that wasn't there a few years ago. You
1: know, I just I fall back to this saying a lot the last couple of years, but pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. It's an old timey farmer phrase and it resonates with me a lot in this world because before Andreessen made a move into even earlier stage investing on a more systemic basis, it was doing great. And Product Hunt had a really cool niche before they added in a venture element. And YC is good at doing YC things and now it's doing much, much more. And I I wonder how much of the stuff is essentially feature bloat of the venture world. And I wonder if they're going to acquire the venture equivalent of technical debt
0: it's kind of like launching a column because you think you can and should. And then every week it just gets harder and harder to do. Cause you don't really want to do it anymore in our
1: are, world. Are you talking about one of us? <laughs>
0: Me. Me and covering about every week. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, 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 that's right. That is a weekly feature now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Ugh. that's obviously like a sadder one, but it feature bloat is such a real threat because being a tourist in a venture setting and getting portfolio companies and stakes of equity in these companies and these people, not to be too dramatic, but like it's a lot of responsibility. And the downturn, I think, has only emphasized and then reemphasized a million times over how important your early stage investors are. So I think a little bit of like the muddling between everyone does make it harder for founders to figure out who's really in it for the long term, who has like something for optics and who actually is making a difference here. Yes. And so, I mean, it's a cynical take a little bit, but I don't think one that like is too unfair considering YC can tell as much as they want that they're okay having competitive startups internally. But when it comes to externally, they clearly don't care about competing directly with (laughs) Product Hunt, which, to be clear, used to be a YC portfolio company. Product went through YC in 2014, I believe. Of course it did. I mean, that's Um, so
1: confusing. the headline, I'm sorry, going back to the very top of the show, the headline should have been YC Eats Young.
0: (laughs) Maybe that can be our our podcast headline. I'm sure they would love
1: that. I don't think it actually will look great on the page now that I've said it out loud. Okay, fine. It made a lot of sense in my head. As a quip. And then you ever just like get halfway through a sentence and you're like, mm, this isn't going to land right. Like, I That's, just don't want it
0: anymore. <laughs> why is it? eats
1: children. Not good. You know, like no, it thanks. just it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so founders, dealing with this complicated landscape have one more thing to deal with because we're also seeing funds that are fake existing, but don't have more capital. We're seeing some VCs pull term sheets. We're seeing founders pull job offerings. It's a market of banana peels on the floor, it seems. And now there's even more complexity to it. So Natasha, if you were a founder, how would you navigate not getting too distracted by all the noise?
0: I think the advice that has resonated with me the most is if you're coming to a investor for capital, capital does feel like the most important product to to be signing up for it. The fundamental deal is money in exchange for equity. If you're happy with that, consider everything else as icing on the cake, but don't go to a product hunt hyper prologue collab just because you hope to become viral on tech Twitter one day. I think that it's like getting your hopes up for a lot of the promises should not be something that you necessarily blindly believe the same way that you shouldn't believe that going through YC means that you're going to be a success. And that's not a knock on any of the institutions they've clearly seeded and helped launch the the biggest companies that define tech. But I just think like a little bit of like that it's that easy conversation of like we just offered these services. You can't offer someone success. So I think that I would yeah. hope, I would hope to have that kind of soul searching conversation with one of these people. And whoever responds the best to it, I would accept their money.
1: And we're gonna make an analogy here to fine arts degrees, not to diss the literary arts, not to mock <laughs> our friends who do creative writing for a living. As someone who consumes quite a lot of fiction, keep at it, everybody. But if you go to like Columbia for your MFA, some of your classmates will become New York Times list bestsellers. Those are the startup unicorns equivalent from the YC batch. And it's important to keep in mind that that's never going to be the majority case. So if you're a founder, YC will not save you. It may help you. But that's going to be the case with all of these individual entities. I think it's fun to watch everyone try to figure out how to do the same things in different formats. And I'll just say that TechCrunch has survived a great many of these (laughs) product cycles, you might say, and uh, we're still here. So at least I have that to lean back on as everyone else tries to mimic everyone else.
0: Oh my God, yeah. It, it's also like we're poking a lot of fun and I think rightfully being critical of some of the decisions that are being made and what it means for founders. But like it is a very cool universe to be in when it gets this, I guess, messy and like ambitious in a way. I mean, we haven't even talked about Andreessen launching Future almost a year ago as far of this episode. But like that again was like this kind of new wave of conversation on VC firms doing content marketing and believing that tech optimism needed to be a bigger focus in quote the media. I think it holds all of us to like a very different standard than at least... Even when I first started out a few years ago, it feels like a completely different time to be a tech journalist because so many of these firms are trying to do so many things. And it makes the startups that we cover and the VCs that we cover have a lot more. I don't know. They have a lot more stuff they have to prove now. It's harder to kind of do a medium job at this job.
1: Well, I mean, anything that has outlier results as the main driver of economic return is going to be something that disparages and despises fine. Yeah. Right. Ooh, yeah.
0: yeah, totally. Like fine does not work at all. And I think that's what all these firms are trying to do in a way. They're trying to like be more than just what they were, which I mean, good for you. Do that, do more of that. I guess like I would love to end a little bit on what we're going to see happen in the future. Who's going to try building what? <laughs> um, and is there like a YC mafia that we should soon expect? I feel like we're overdue to see like former head of YC launches X, Y, and Z. No,
1: I, I, think, I think you're asking the exactly perfect question for 12 months ago. <laughs> and I don't mean this at all in a mean way. I'm just thinking this through because at last year we would have gone through a list of companies that might have been good incubation points for startups. And we would have said, these companies might raise funds. What's the chance that people are going to do that this year? It's very low right? And yeah. so suddenly the silly season is off. And so the tap has been turned down and the capital has turned to a dribble, which is why I think we should flip the question around. Not who's going to build what next, but whom, who has already built something, will be the first to kill it Ooh. because they no longer want to support it. It's too expensive and not really core. It's like a startup cutting their burn by removing extraneous bits of their operating profile.
0: Yeah. I'll take a guess. Please. I don't think future, which is Andreessen Horowitz's media arm. I think I just explained that, but in case you don't know. Uh, um, I'm listening. Um, so Andreessen launched Future almost a year ago. I don't think they're going to shut it down. And I like a lot of people that work on that product. I think that Andrews and Horowitz is definitely going to, ex- this is kind of a political answer, but I think they're going to expand how they're defining media and what their media ambition is. I don't think it's going to be as simple as launching Future. Clearly it's not because there are co-investors in Prologue and Prologue's whole thing is that they're going to help companies get attention in this economy where attention is so low. And so I don't know. In my head, I'm like, okay, I don't think that these products are single singularly the future for any of them and so we're gonna see a lot more where they come from because they have to yeah. does that feel well, like that is a fair answer Was that too
1: nice? Natasha, you always find a way of ending shows on a very positive note. And I mean that as an actual compliment because I think it does actually add a lot of, a little bit of nuance because we can get a little snarky and so I appreciate that. The question of, you know, what happens to these projects, I, oh man, I almost want to say how fast do interest rates rise? (laughs) And the faster they rise, the more of this we're going to see kind of like shaved off. I still read Future occasionally, mostly out of just macabre curiosity about what the Andreessen version of my job looks like, (laughs) if that makes sense. And yeah, yeah, I don't want to comment on it too much, but I want to end with something that you mentioned because you're tying Andreessen again to prologue and you know I'm more kind of just surprised that the great Andreessen media push crested when it did because if you think back to Clubhouse and Substack and Future there was a moment where it did seem that Andreessen was trying to as an organization rewrite what it means to write and Future is trucking along It's doing its thing. I'm sure it's a medium success so far, maybe internally. I don't know. But Substack just had to do layoffs and isn't raising. Yeah. And Clubhouse- Had to do
0: layoffs as well.
1: Yeah, and is not any danger of raising capital that I've heard of anywhere. So Andreessen Horowitz could- swoop in, but you know, I, I've been chewing a lot on that lately. So that, that's kind of my my concluding mark here. For founders though, you know, all this stuff, I guess just means more avenues, more opportunities.
0: Yeah, exactly. I kind of think that in a weird way, like having VCs and startup accelerators and something like a product hunt, I don't even know how to describe that place, but a, a startup yeah. platform all get into the media world and the investment world. I think we'll add empathy to our universe a little bit, like to each other's universes, but beyond empathy, a lot of learnings are going to come out of the them doing these experiments and I hope that changes the way that they build, right? Like there is a world where YC does this, they learn what's working and what's not when it comes to how people sort through their companies on an evergreen basis and that can be filtered back into the way that they conduct accelerators and maybe it's asking for a lot, but fast forward five years, it would be really cool to see, I guess, expansion change the way these products look. We don't know at the time if they're the future, right? Which is kind of weird.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to add dot com to that. Oh God, Um, I should have. You should have. I think it's a great point. If these products don't end up being enormous money makers, but instead end up being information sources that are then kind of sorted by the corporate algorithm, which is just the collection of human minds at a business to make for a better operating profile for the company itself, then huzzah, I'm here for that. That's going to take a lot of work. And also it would require people that are currently doing business in motion to pause and listen to new input sources, which is always tough if you're in a hurry. But I think we should stop there. There's a lot more in this area to talk about. We're not going to let this stuff go away. We have an eye on the pulse of the early stage community as always because, well, everything's in flux yet again.
0: Right, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, if there's any time to unlearn and to rethink about why things are becoming full circle, now is the time. So it's kind of our time to shine because we love doing this And Alex, it is always lovely to talk to you about these really niche things that you make not feel too niche at all. The
1: same back at you. I always love kind of leaving my late stage pre-IPO world and coming into the early stage area because it's so much more about people and personalities and so much less about spreadsheets. And so it's way more fun.
0: I know, drama, competition, conflict. We love it here. Um, Everyone else, we will chat with you on Friday. See you then. Bye. Bye.